Welcome to the Orange County Catholic Radio Show on AM 1000 in Orange and San Diego counties and on AM 930 in Los Angeles County. Each week, we bring you compelling conversation with church leaders and laity, talking about the things going on in our diocese and discussing the important issues that impact the world around us. We're coming to you through the good offices of Relevant Radio from our studios on the campus of Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. Here now to introduce our guest and today's topic is your host, Rick Howick. And welcome to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. And with me today is Bishop Kevin Van. Bishop, I want to thank you so much for coming in today to be with You're us. You're welcome. You're welcome. And if you would be so kind as to open us with a word of prayer, I'm sure all of our listening audience would be appreciative. Let us pray, Almighty God, in this week of Thanksgiving. Help us to always be mindful of our blessings and be grateful every day for the gift of life and those who have blessed us that you have sent our way. Bless our, our week this week that it may be a time of reflection, rest, and gratitude for all the Lord has done for us. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, Son and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. And as you heard, we're recording this a little before Advent in order to talk a little bit about Advent. Sure. And so, Bishop, when we're talking about the candles, for example, we've got four candles. The first two are a purplish color. The third one is often described as pink. It's really kind of a rose, a mixture of the two colors. Officially, Dusty Rose. Dusty Rose. Dusty Rose is the name of the color. I I do a priest who used to stand up and say, I feel pretty, as he... Stand there, it is it is pig garbage. But. Yes, I knew a priest who did that once upon a time, too, and I told him it was not a good idea. It's not a good idea. <laughs> That's okay. And besides, it's not pink, it's it's rose. It is. And there's a reason for the rose color. And the reason is? Well, Advent has been with us from the earliest days of the life of the Church. It's a season of expectation of the return of Christ. Therefore, it has a penitential character about it. Not the same way it lent, but at one time Advent was much more penitential than it is now. So Advent, of course, the color of, of a penance, the penance is purple. So that's why you have purple, especially if you consider the second and third Sunday of Advent, you have St. John the Baptist on the calendar, who's a call to repentance. Mm-hmm. It was also then a time for preparation for the, the birth of Christ. Well, when the season of Advent would be over half over, given the third Sunday of Lent, the third Sunday of Advent then, it meant the birth of Christ was closer, and then you could rejoice then. So then the penitential color of purple is lightened to what is called dusty rose. And the third Sunday of Advent is also then called Gaudete Sunday from the entrance antiphon that day, which says rejoice. Gaudete means rejoice. And in the Latin construction, it's not, oh, it's a nice idea, rejoice. It's, has a, it's an exclamation. It's an imperative, rejoice. So at that Sunday we have the rose color because the color of penance is lightened a bit. And Advent had varied, varied some over the course of the years and centuries of the life of the Church. But I think, symbolically, it is one of the most uh, really beautiful seasons of the Church's year, symbolically as well. So if we're looking at that color, then it's not. it didn't really start off as, quote, pink. It started off as kind of a lightened purple. It was kind of a... Well, the purple was lightened. Lightened out. Lightened, yes. In order to show that this is a time for us to pause for a moment. Yes. And remember, with all of this penance we're doing... This is about the coming of Jesus Christ. It is about the coming of Christ, and that's what the season is to prepare us for. All right. Now, when you say that it was penitential, I understand that for for years the the monks would would fast for like 40 days prior to... I hear in the Eastern Church they already are in 
uh, Advent because they start a couple weeks before the Western Church does. That could be. I don't know too much about that tradition, but I know that there was such thing as an Advent fast once upon a time. Not the length of the Lenten fast, but yes, there was a fast. Wow. So the idea is that you're also then reexamining your life, your morality, your walk with Christ. My response to Christ, yes, in, in, in these days. So as we're looking at the Advent colors for the, the candles, it's another way for us as both a, a parish family and for those of us who have the candles around our table at home to think personally about this coming of Christ each week yes. in a different way. And there are really some beautiful prayers for the blessings of the Advent wreath and the lighting of the first candle, both at Mass and in, in the home. And I always encourage folks to really get an Advent wreath for their home and light it at dinner time and whenever they gather as a family. I mean, that's one of the memories I have of the Advent wreaths at school and that we would have at home. We also had what we call uh, Advent calendars where you would open a little door one day at a mm-hmm. time. You can get those. We, we had those. So there's a little window every day that you open. We use it with a picture of a saint or a scripture or something like that. Yeah. And you have to look at, as well, the greenery of the wreath, evergreen. Evergreen is just is a reminder of eternity, always green. A lot of people think that the colors of Advent are red and green, and they're not. They're golden white with purple. Purple and, and, and rose. Red and green are, I love red and green, but those are colors of the nativity. So when we come to nativity, we can look at that. I saw a beautiful tree in a different diocese once that was covered in purple decorations and purple lights, and it was the Advent tree for the diocese. Yes. It was It was absolutely stunning, but it was a great reminder. We're not at Christmas yet. Right. And the the sad part is when you listen to the radio stations that are playing all the Christmas music, most of which is secular, they end it on the 26th it's, it's well, as if it's done. Well, in reality, it really goes on for days until the until the 12th, 6th, and the 12th, the 12 nights, mm-hmm. and then uh, really to the baptism of the Lord in January. Which means that Christmas season really isn't upon us yet. Shopping season is, but Christmas season doesn't begin until Christmas Eve. And, you know, I experienced that as well when I was in the Philippines in in, uh, September because the Filipinos love Christmas. And so they begin to celebrate Christmas from the 1st of September on because any month that ends with ER, September, October, December, they celebrate that. And then all the way into January with the Feast Day of the Christ Child, they call the Santo Nino. Okay. But Advent, I think, back to Advent, has a quiet beauty to it. I think it's a time of rest and reflection. What are we all about? Granted, that gets overpowered with the culture here, but it's still an opportunity for us to, to take that season and reflect on the coming of Christ in our lives and our preparation. Another avid memory I have is when I was even in my first parish in Springfield, there was a so-called Jesse tree. You ever seen the Jesse tree? Yes, I have. We did one. We had one in the sanctuary, and we, we added a new uh, symbol every day. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen so many lately, but that's a great catechetical tool as well. It ties the, the, the two testaments together. I've seen people use a reverse Jesse tree where there were things that were on the Jesse tree and then people would take one off each day. And then they would there would be two things with it. One would be a teaching, and the other would be a, a toy or an object for a needy child in order to be able to go mm-hmm. and find something for them for Christmas, yes, yeah. which was a, a real good idea. Uh, I used to work as a principal of a school, and we would have all these different things that were out there. One of the things that we had, which 
always struck me as being a little ironic. We would have a nativity scene, but the baby Jesus wasn't in the manger yet. Yes. And no matter how hard I tried to, to get someone to put the baby Jesus back in there, they wouldn't do it until after Christmas. And by the time we came back from vacation, we were just about done with Christmas. Yes. So baby Jesus was never in the manger. And that's technically, yes, you're not supposed to put the infant Jesus in until Christmas, Christmas Eve. Right, right. Yes. That's, that's what I was told. I was going to be a, a bad Catholic if I did that. So what you're trying to tell us, though, if I am hearing you right, is that this is a time for us to take a moment in our busy schedules, in our our lives today, so much of which uh, can be very divisive, and pause for a moment and, and ask Christ, what do you want from me as it's your world you're coming to, and I'm only in it, what do you want from me? You know, one of the, I'm a musician. One of the beautiful hymns I would hear, especially the years that I was studying in Rome, was the Rorate Celi. I would go to Mass at St. Peter's, and that would be sung by the, the choir. Orate Celi means open heavens and bring forth a Savior. And it was a plea to send the Savior. So how much we all need him in our lives, and the Orate Celi is a, really a, a beautiful hymn for the season that, that expresses that. When people then are going to church during this time, and we have usually in many parishes an uptick in church attendance around this time, the the Christmas season and Advent along with the Easter season seem to remind people that it is important to come back. Yeah, the season really has a way of touching people's hearts in a way perhaps that even Easter cannot do, you know. So because with the Christmas season, usually comes a lot of, and Advent comes a lot of memories of families and reflecting on who you are, or how have you been, how have you been with your relationship with God. And so yeah, we do see that, you know, we do. I think a lot of people, when they're looking at at their memories and the good that they remember from their own past, their own histories, I think there's a part of them that have a, they're, they're exercising a statement of hope in Christ by coming sure. back to church during this sure, time. Sure, They really, no matter what's going on in their lives, they, they somehow know that Christ still is there with open arms. And despite the flaws of all of the congregants that we all have, we're there with open arms as well. And I always, especially on Christmas Eve, I know this is mostly about Advent, but I always try to welcome people, thank them for coming. So you're always welcome here. And this season is for all of us uh, to find God once more in our lives. Well, and that's really what it's all about is the idea of recognizing Christ is coming into the world. And the season is to prepare us for that. And it, it when we come back in a few minutes, I want to make sure that we have a chance to talk a, a little bit deeply about this idea of Christ come into the world. But it's really a, about two different comings, uh, a, a remembrance of Christ coming as a baby in the manger, which we're anticipating. But it's also about him coming back a second time after um, when, it's, when it's the end of the world, is it not? Yeah, there's some place in the Liturgy of the Hours, what we call the Office of the Readings, it might be by St. Augustine or one of the fathers of the Church that talks about the two comings of Christ. I think it's Augustine. And the first part of Advent, we reflect on the coming of Christ at the end of the world. Come the long-expected Jesus, which is a hymn for this time of year. And then the, as Caesar draws closer and closer to the nativity, then it's more about Christ's first coming. So the, the way that the calendar has actually been put together is is really very cyclical. It ends with Christ the King, which is about the coming of Christ and reigning in heaven with all of us, God willing. Yes. And yet Advent then begins as well with, then let's anticipate that coming. 
And there is an overlap in the readings and the themes between Christ the King and the first Sunday of Advent, because both of those really reflect the end times and the return of Christ. So when we're looking again at the candles that are on our table and we're reflecting on the purple and the idea that we ought to ask ourselves, are we living the lives that we should be living in Christ? What we're really doing is also saying, whether we eat or drink or whatsoever we do, we should do all for the glory of God, for the King is coming. Yes. I mean, one of the hymns is, The King Shall Come When Morning Dawns and Light Triumphant Breaks. That's one of the early hymns of Advent, too. So, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is important, but so, too, are the ones that are talking about the second coming of Christ. When we come back, Bishop, what I would like to do is to chat a little bit about the nature of Christ and how he can be healing in our society. There's been so much that's gone on. I definitely don't want to get into a whole bunch of it, but I do want to ask the question when we come back, how is it this coming of Christ can really transform the lives of people? You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and with me today is our Bishop Kevin Van. And when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about Advent, and we'll see you in a few minutes. Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and with me today we are blessed to have our own beloved bishop, Kevin Van. And I want to thank you again, Bishop, for coming in and chatting with us today a little bit about Advent. And we were talking this last session about preparation for Advent, and we were starting off with kind of the candles around the Advent wreath and letting that kind of evoke a little about what it means to have Christ come to us and our preparation for it. One of the other ways that people are reminded about the coming of Christ are what are called the O Antiphons. What can you tell us about the O Antiphons? Well, I had many years ago now in the seminary a really powerful experience about the O Antiphons. Now, this would have been in Advent of 1977. I was at first year theology at Kinrick Seminary in St. Louis. And one of the senior priests of the Archdiocese of St. Louis was asked to come and give us a talk. He was in his 80s or 90s by that time. His name is Monsignor Martin Hellrigel. Monsignor Hellrigel. Hellrigel? Hellrigel. Okay, I won't he, make any fun about his name. H-E-L-R-A-G-E-L. Yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was pastor of a German parish in St. Louis, but he wrote the words to Jesus Christ, our sovereign king. Oh. You, you look at that hymn, you'll see that. <laughs> And he gave us a wonderful talk on the O Antiphons. Well, it was at that moment I came to realize that the song we kind of hurriedly go through, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, really is a collection of the O Antiphons put together. The O Antiphons, an antiphon, is the verse before the Magnificat at evening prayer in the Liturgy of the Hours, or Vespers. Okay, so the Magnificat, for those who are not very initiated, is the Prayer of Mary. Prayer of Mary. My that- soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. An antiphon is a verse prior to a prayer. So, the O antiphons begin with the word O, and they are all the messianic titles of Jesus. So it's O King of all creation, O Wisdom, O Sacred Lord of Israel, O O Burning Bush, those kind of things. And it's it's a, it's a plea that those are chanting the office really pray God to come down to us in all come to Lord to come to us in all His titles, and they're very powerful and they're very beautiful. If you Googled all antiphons, you really would see the whole history of them. Wow, very, very 
Interesting. And so the same one who wrote to Jesus Christ, our sovereign king, gave us a talk on the Atlantifines, tying those two seasons together. Let me ask you then, your early memories then of of Advent and of being a young priest, how did that affect you in your ministry prior to becoming bishop as you would preach Christ come to us in this time of Advent? What are your memories as a young priest trying to do ministry for the people around you? Well, I remember helping to put the uh, my first parish after I got home from Rome to put up uh, the Advent wreath every year. Now, the pastor at that time had a plastic Advent wreath, but nonetheless, we put it up. But then when I was pastor of the same parish later on, we got a great big wreath. So I, Advent brings us into really an anticipatory sense that, that that change of season, change of seasons here, which means for us Christ is Christ is nearer. And when the folks would come on Sunday, we would light the candle. You could sense that something was going on in their lives now, that they knew something was happening that was different. That, that's what I remember. I remember, the, as I said earlier, the, the Advent calendars and all that. Our parish has a nativity set that it will set up, but it will have different people at different places of the church. And then gradually each week you see them come closer and closer like together. The You're paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to kind of pay attention yeah. each week to see where everyone is. But they've got kind of this whole thing that's going like that. And it really is kind of a, a collection of different things in order to hit us almost kind of like a multimedia event over time. It's yeah. meant to kind of Im- immerse us in the sensuality, almost, of this season. My first four years as a priest, as I think you know, I was in graduate studies in Rome, 1981-1985. And then, as even now, Italy, I think, struggles with secularization like the rest of the West. But nonetheless, the symbols of the season are everywhere in Italy. Uh, Advent race every place, even in secular places, certainly in, certainly in nativity sets. But I... I I was away from home for the first time. I'd be walking around the city of Rome. It was cold and raining and all that. But I'd stop in a church or in a store or something, and there was the Advent wreath. So it pointed me to a reality far beyond uh, where I was, you know? That's an important message as well, I think, is that some of the things that we do, especially Catholics, and I want to pause for a moment on that, but some of the things that we do that often we think of as our own for ourselves, for our own house, our own decorations, they can speak to people we don't even know are walking through our door or past our, our yes. house or whatever. And it's important for us not to just to get into the whole lighting of our of our house up with Christmas lights, I think. It, we, we can. That's not, there's not a problem with that that I have. But to do something Advent, to put something that creates the reason for the season, as we used to say, or what is it that we're actually trying to accomplish, there are people that are out there who are affected by that. And I think today... There are a number of people, especially in our society right now, with so much discord and so much bitterness and so much rancor that's that's been out there. I think there are people that are hungry to see other people in their society truly looking for the message of Christ. Yeah, and Advent, with his symbols, says, look, there's another way. You don't have to live in this constant turmoil. Look to us. Look to Christ. Look to this way of living. Uh, I grew up in the era of the St. Louis Jesuits in the seminary. And they really did have some good music. One of their beautiful Advent albums, which didn't get a lot of play, was something called Gentle Night. It was in blue with blue on the front. And one of the great songs in that album was Wake from Your Sleep, Your Savior Has Come. Mm-hmm. So like the plea for it to come down from heaven, the heavens send the Savior, to wake up, to be awakened to a beauty of faith and life that maybe we've overlooked, it's no longer there. But wake up to, because the Lord is near. Christianity emerged 
2,000 years ago in a pagan culture that was not very welcoming at all to the message of, of Christ. And we're now in a society that has some similarities in certain ways. Advent, I think, is taking on almost more of an importance today than it did even 20 years ago. What do you think about that? I think we used to sort of take Advent for granted and we would do it, but I think in where we are now, Advent offers us a different vision, a different way of life, a way of faith. It's all the more important today than it was even when I was first ordained. This is one of the reasons why I, I like the idea that people will celebrate the season, including with, with lights or whatever they're going to do, so long as we're paying attention to what it is you're actually doing Correct. with it. Because the message that's being sent by the people who do that, just the common people that are out there are doing that, not just the churches. Everyone expects the churches to do something. But to see your, your neighborhood with people that are putting up things that are, you have a crest scene or people will have something purple. I've seen that out there too. They'll have their Christmas lights up, but they'll have something purple. You know, that's a Catholic house or at least you know, an Eastern right, right house. Yeah. Somebody out there who knows what they're doing with this season. It sends a powerful message, I think, in this, in this era that we're in where there are a lot of people who are looking for a reminder, do we still have hope in our society? Yes. And they see it in the people around them. Well, when you're surrounded by headlines and everything else that kind of scream otherwise, Evan is, a, I'd say, a, a God-given remedy to the season. I want to go there. I, I, that's a can of worms to open up probably for about 15 minutes in about three. But before we go there, finishing this up for just a moment then, would it then be your advice that families not only celebrate for themselves, but they celebrate for the people around them, their neighborhoods. I'd say celebrate your neighborhood, celebrate with your friends. And, you know, we have a, a gift shop here now, a bookstore here at Christ Cathedral Campus. There are a lot of beautiful resources for Advent that you can pray every day. So I would really encourage that. So we need Advent, and we need it as a society, not just as individuals and families. We need to be able to be part. And in order for society to see Christ in the people around us, we have to to put that out there. We have to do these things and be involved with these activities and put these lights up and go to these activities. Yes, yes. So if you're looking around at, at the church right now and they're looking for things to do, in the Diocese of Orange, how do we celebrate Advent right now? How do we go about doing Advent in the Diocese of Orange? Well, I would say, first of all, personally, commit yourself to, to praying this way in, a, in the season that you haven't before. Like I see there's all kinds of Advent books and prayers to use. I would do that. Then I also would go to your parish. We have a lot of parishes that have a lot of outreach. What can you do to outreach to, to people around you? Parishes have all kinds of need of folks to do that, you know. So you combine the prayer with outward-looking uh, apostolic work. And, you know, of our new strategic plan, one of the goals is evangelization. So how can we live that, especially in this season. Well, and that's one of the last things I wanted to talk about for a moment is that this is part of the new evangelization. Yes. This is part of those of us who are Catholics to reach out to the people around us, including fellow Catholics who need to be nudged and reminded the church is for you. Yes. Christ is for you. And everything that the church stands for is for you. Here it is. How can I help you get there? Yes. Yeah. Bishop, then if you're, if you're going to give any advice on the accoutrements, so to speak, of, of Advent, what have been your favorite? Uh, we were talking about the, the Advent wreath, uh, and we talked about the O antiphons. Was there anything else that stands out for you as someone who has been around the block a little bit with this? 
I would say make sure that your homes really take those symbols seriously and really make sure they're there and visible for everybody. And I mentioned earlier, I would certainly would take, you can, if you go to Hallmark, even you can still get one of these advent calendars or at the gifts at the religious goods stores, take an advent calendar and open it every day and then get, do a Jesse, your own Jesse tree as well. So you see the symbols of the faith from the words, the pages of scripture. So they become part of your, your daily life, your daily routine. Well, and this is very symbolic for families, especially those with children. In our family, the advent calendar we use is in the shape, actually, of a, of a triangle. So it kind of looks like a Christmas tree. And each one of the little boxes has a little symbol. Right. And so my children have always, we would rotate each day. Who's, cause the turtle, they stand up on the stool and open the, the box and what's the symbol? And then we figure out a hymn that goes with that symbol and we all sing the symbol before we go have dessert somewhere. Not, not exactly on the, on the sacrificial side of the yeah, house, yeah. but they have good memories that are being built from it. Well, and even, even for us or the lighting of the first candle of Advent of an evening, that's, that's coming up. That's really powerful. Let's take advantage of that and light that first candle and, and sing one of the Advent hymns. Then you know Christ is coming. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. With me today is Bishop Kevin Van. We've been talking about Advent. We've been talking about uh, some of the things that we do as Catholics that speak to the Catholics and non-Catholics around us about the coming of Christ and how that is hopeful to all of us. When we come back, Bishop, I, I want to go to that the depth of who Christ is and how Christ's uh, manifestation as a human being in this world brings hope to us. When we come back, we'll talk more about Advent. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio, and we will be right back. And welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio, coming to you high atop the Tower of Hope, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. And today we are clarifying well with our own Bishop Kevin Van. And Bishop Vanna, again, thank you for coming in today to talk to us a little bit about Advent. And we've been talking about some of the traditions and how those traditions can both minister to our families and our children, but also the people around us in our community, that this is an important part of our new evangelization of reaching out and trying to bring Christ consistently to the people around us so that there is hope that is spread to all of us. One of the things that um, is important, I think, for a lot of us to to deal with, though, is not just the traditions that can sometimes almost become surface level on their reach to some people. There are a lot of people who are struggling very deeply with their walk right now with Christ, uh, sometimes with their walk with their spouses or the people in their families. There's a lot of strife that's in our world. By the very nature of being a human being, there's a lot of strife in our lives. Jesus Christ comes to us as one of us. The whole idea about there being a an incarnation is just absolutely astounding. How does this whole season, from Christ the King on through Advent and into Christmas, truly bring hope at a deep level for us? And don't be afraid to go a little in the weeds with theology here. I have a canon law degree. I have a doctorate. <laughs> I have an MA in theology. But... Only a little of the weeds then, please. <laughs> Let me go back to what I said earlier. I will start with the Feast of Christ the King. And I start with that because of what I said earlier. To Jesus Christ, our sovereign king, is sometimes referred to as the Catholic National Anthem. I don't know if you do that or not. No. We used to sing it a lot. I still do. In fact, we did it here for the Cathedral Dedication. 
But when I heard Monsignor Harrido, who wrote those words many years ago, those words became not just on the paper, but a living reality. Here was this elderly priest in front of me who was a refugee from Germany who, who talked about to Jesus Christ our sovereign king, who wrote those words here. Years ago, when I was an adult or when I was a teen, there was this, what I call this silly song, God is watching us from a distance. You remember that? Yeah, God is watching us, uh, um, but I don't remember much about it. But God is not watching us from a distance. God is in our midst, and that's what the incarnation is, that in the midst of our daily life, God is present to us, is with us. And that's what Salome of Christ the King refers to, that our daily challenges or troubles or trials or strife in society or whatever never has the last word. It is Christ himself who has the last word. God has the last word. The Salome of Christ the King was established in 1925 by Pope Pius XI. His baptismal name was Achille Ratti, R-A-T-T-I. In about 1925, well, if you look at Europe in 1925, it was a very challenging place because it was right after the First World War and all the troubles that came after that. It was not long after the uh, the revolution in Russia, the Communist Revolution, when Trotsky and Lenin and people like that brought a lot of bloodshed. And Pius would have known about that. He also knew there was a lot of rising nationalism, I might say, in Europe. He could go up the street from where he was, up what we call the Corso Vittorio Emanuele, to the, to the palace on the, on the Piazza Venezia, where Mussolini lived. Well, and, and that was when the fascism began to arise, which was a terrible thing. And then along with that, after the, the depression and ruin in Germany after the First World War, then was the growth of uh, National Socialism, which we know is Nazism. All that stuff was fermenting and beginning to happen at that particular time. So about 1925 was when all this is beginning to bloom. Yes, and so that's when Pius XI established the Solemnity of Christ the King to remind folks that no matter how bad it got, Christ was still the king of all of that. He had power over all of that. And I saw some silly remarks the other day that we maybe should call him Christ the President. Well, that's silly. You know, it's Christ the King. It's the power of God over everything in our lives. And whatever our struggles or challenges might be, the power of God is stronger always than all of that. And that's, uh, on a personal level, I think what this piece can teach us. It's also uh, a reflection I would give also in the Archdiocese of St. Louis in the cathedral. The cathedral in St. Louis, because I did seminary in St. Louis, I know Mm -hmm. St. Louis pretty well. Mm -hmm. The new cathedral, so-called on Linda Boulevard, has the largest collection of mosaics in the Western Hemisphere, all mosaics of all kinds. Right. And there are a number of arches, and one is called the Arch of Judgment. It shows the end of the world when Christ the Judge, the King, is there, and you have folks uh, rising from the cemeteries to Christ, and then you have some going away from him that are covered in hoods, and they're going in ice and snow. Well, the lesson of that is, I was told, that they're going into ice and snow into eternity, and not fire, but ice and snow, because where there's ice and snow, there's cold, and where there's cold, there's no warmth, and where there's no love, therefore there's no love. So they're going off into ice and snow because there is no love because they failed to love in this life. So right. that that's the lesson of, of that arch of judgment with Christ the King. So this time of the year, not only how are we sustained, but how can we how have we loved and how can we love those around us with the help of God in this new church year, which will soon be upon us. So the whole Matthew twenty five motif, where you've got the the dividing of the sheep and the goats, the only difference between the sheep and the goats was what they did or did not do in recognition of the least people around them, and the least meaning of all the people of the world gathered together, yeah. the least have a claim on us. How do we treat them? Yeah. 
And, and that is about Christ coming to us in each one of us. This is one of the most powerful messages I think the Catholic Church brings, is that while Jesus Christ comes as God in human form to all of us, yet there is an aspect of that in each human being around us, no matter how old, no matter how poor, no matter how dirty, and no matter how young, and that each one has the dignity of God, therefore deserves the right of dignity in life, and that they go together, dignity in life. A few years ago when I was in Fort Worth, I used to, I still do, I walk a lot, but I would walk in downtown Fort Worth, a place called Sunday Square, which was a neat place. And I would walk down there some nights with a, with one of the Franciscan Friars of Renewal, who at that time ministered in the diocese. So the, the, here comes this older, this guy down walking to us. I thought, oh gosh, this is a street person. So I thought, maybe well, let me cross the street. I said, no, I won't do that. So I went over and spoke to him. And then I went and bought him a sandwich or something like that. But what he said was not thank you for the sandwich, but thank you for speaking to me. Yeah. This is the dignity that people want to have so much. Anyone can give them a dollar or give them a taco, but to give them your time and your attention is something that many people are not allowed to have in their entire lives. Well, if what I've noticed even here is I go to one of the CVS pharmacies on and off for medication and stuff. And if I go there in the morning or at night, there's usually somebody outside. So I make a point to speak to them and get, what's their name and that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. This particular diocese has a tradition that uh, Greg Wagenbach has brought every year to us to talk through, and it is uh, participation ecumenically with other leaders to remember those who died on the streets of the Diocese of Orange. Yeah, who have, without anybody. Who have yeah. not had anybody around, mostly the homeless. Yeah. Those who have passed away without anyone around us, and we hold an ecumenical memorial. We do. I've been there most years. And it is it is stunning to hear Greg talk about it, where you've got this idea that everybody has dignity and love. And while we may not be as generous as we should be in giving it, God has already given it. And it's not a matter of us giving it. It's a matter of us recognizing it. You know what you have... Uh, you know, driving around at stop signs and places you often find people, especially this time of the year, uh, looking for some help. Uh, my priest secretary, Father Tantai, is very good about not ignoring them, pulling up and stopping and, and saying hello and helping them out. I mean, there they are waiting. We could pass them by easily, but he reminds us we need to stop. We were up in L.A. going to the cathedral, and as we got off at Temple Street, there was some guy at a corner had a little dog that was all he had, so we got out and gave him something for him and the dog. I mean, yeah. Well, and it's the other thing that comes on here is that it's not just a matter sometimes of what you're personally able to give to every person that you meet, especially people who are around homeless all the time. It's also a matter of how do we support what the church is doing. Yes. That if you're not able necessarily to stop every time, are you able to contribute to different groups that are able to to give? In our diocese, for example... We have some wonderful programs that are done. Uh, Greg Wagenbach has uh, been involved with a number of them. But the idea is that what you can give sometimes can be given vicariously through those programs. So that, too, is a way for us to be able to bring Christ to people around us. And you remember the, the, the old hymn that's been around. I mean, being a musician, I think of all these things. Well, let there be peace on earth. But it ends with, let it begin with me. So 
do I just abdicate to the programs that, that do a good job, or what is my responsibility in all this? How does it begin with me? Do we use the programs as a way of eliminating the guilt for not doing Yes, enough? yeah, exactly. Or do we actually participate in order to try to bring about a better world? Because it's, it's nosotros juntos, it's everybody together, and Pope Francis is very clear about all that, especially, you know? Let us accompany one another Yes, the way. Yes, we, we, which means to walk with. It most certainly does. And that goes back to a major theological theme of why Christ came. It, God could have just watched from a distance, as you put it, from the song that was out there, and chose not to be this transcendent being that's out there that no one can understand. He chose to be understood, and not just understood, but loved and wanted to be one with us, to actually adopt us and to be in relationship with us. And he can only do that by becoming one with us. And to get some real clarity of vision with all of that, to say to pray the liturgy hours is a big thing, but I would suggest that, especially if somebody can get a hold of a copy of what we call the volume one, the Advent, liturgy hours for Advent, and read the Office of Readings, every day you'll find something from the Patristic Age, which really gives a very clear message about the divinity of Christ, why Christ came, why Christ is among us, you know? To read, read the most ancient fathers of the church. And those are often available on a number of different websites yes. online. There are a number of different... Uh, because those are really within two or three hundred, four hundred years of Christ. I mean, you know. Yeah, and that's, well, okay. Truth in advertising, I, that's my field of study, is those first couple hundred years. And one of the things that always stands out is just how Jewish the whole Christian movement is. Of course, it's, of course. It, it's all about God the Father, and he has a son. And that's what everyone had been anticipating until we have kind of this, they used to call it the parting of the ways. It really isn't quite called that anymore. But it is this revelation that what we had been hoping for has now come to us in the form of a little child. Mm -hmm. And unlike what we would anticipate, a great powerful God come to us, we have at the time that, that Caesar Augustus, the most powerful emperor and person that's been around, and here we have the Lord of Lords, King of Kings, in a barn. Yeah, and the, and the incarnation happened at a time when, if you again read the Fathers of the Church, the Roman Empire was at such a point that it was possible to get from one corner of the world to the other, and it was easy to travel and take the message of the gospel. You know, it was. And that's the message we still have to bring today. And we're doing that here, and I want to come back and make sure that the completeness of the message is there. I want to talk a little bit about the second coming as well, because we also are anticipating that. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick. Your host with me today is Bishop Kevin Van, And we've been talking about Advent and how that impacts us and our society. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, the coming of Jesus both times. Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and with me today is Bishop Kevin Van. And before we go any further, I want to take a moment before I forget to thank you, Bishop, so much for coming in and sharing your time with us. This has been a treat. <laughs> the t- time has flown by. We've been talking about Jesus Christ come to us in Advent. And we've been talking about it in a number of different ways, including um, traditions like the candles around the wreath and the O antiphons and how that affects us personally and 
and affects our society and those around us. This is a very important season to bring Christ to us, to evangelize, and to complete that new evangelization in our lives and the lives of those we love and those we don't even know. There's another aspect to Advent that often I think gets neglected because we get so caught up in the happy times of Christmas coming and the baby in the manger, and we even get a little bit um, uh, self-righteous is the wrong term, but we'll get about, oh, the the reason for the season. But yeah, Jesus is the reason for the season. Yeah. But the bottom line is it's not just the baby Jesus. This is about the coming of Christ both the first time and the second time, which hasn't quite happened yet. What can you tell us about Advent and the second coming of Christ. Well, I would even say you could even go back to St. Matthew's Gospel in this because St. Matthew especially really links the coming of, of Christ, the, the birth of Christ with his death on the cross. The swaddling clothes of the manger go back to the, the shroud in which Christ is buried. The word of the manger becomes the word of the cross. So really between in the pages of our faith, there's really a, a unity, a logic, a unity about all of this. So that's one thing. But then then we go from there then then to uh, the Lord's return, Lord's ascension, then his return at the end of time. We know that's going to happen. We believe it's going to happen. We don't know exactly when. So how do we live in anticipation of his returning? He said, when the Son of Man returns, uh, will he find any faith on the earth? We've heard that recently. So how do we live as if preparing to meet Christ today or tomorrow, you know? So when we're looking at Advent, one of the things it's calling us to do is to reflect not only on the what it means to have Jesus come to us as a baby in the manger and, and the the hope it brings for new life in this life, but it is also a reminder that all things will be brought before him at the end of time. Yes. And that includes all of how we've spent our lives, how we have used the time we've had and how we've treated the people around us. Yes, if you look at the Arch of Judgment, as I mentioned, the Cathedral of St. Louis, that does exactly that. That's worth taking a look at. I, I only visited there once and and saw a, a very beautiful place. But one of the things, and, and this is something the church, I think, the Catholic Church does very well. We do a lot of, of iconography. We do a lot of icons. And icons are images that stand in the place of the gospel message. Sometimes they're very simple. Sometimes they're very complex, but a, a they're always about preaching the gospel without necessarily using verbal, without yes. using words. Yeah. And we have that in a number of ways, as you've mentioned at the cathedral there in St. Louis. We also have that with the way that we live out our lives. And there are some people who, when you just think about them, you, you think about Christ. When you think of Mother Teresa, you, you think about Christ. You, she's Her life has become an icon. And I almost wonder if it isn't part of the Advent message that, just as we think about the baby in the manger as an icon, that we're to think about our own lives, how are we representing Christ to those around us? How are we being an icon to the people around us? The people that perhaps no one else will be able to preach Christ to them except us in our lives. In my ordination invitation of many years ago, I found a verse from St. Paul. It says something like, people must think of us as stewards and bearers of the mysteries of God. Well, an icon is a bearer of the mystery of God. How do we in our own lives show or bear that the, all the, the, the mysteries of the death and resurrection of the Lord so folks can see it in us? How do we do that? And this season is a good time to really think about that and not to be on such an automatic pilot all the time. One of the things that stood out for me when I was looking at becoming Catholic, um, being a convert as I am. So was my father. So We're, we're forgivable, we're, we're, which is a good thing. It's an important message. Was Matthew 25, but it was also this idea behind it that 
the final exam question that Jesus asks isn't how many masses did you go to? Did you believe in me correctly? Did you get the, the first seven ecumenical councils down? It's when I was hungry, did you feed me? When I was thirsty, did you give me drink? When someone presented Christ's face to you in need, did you A, recognize the face, and B, did you respond to the need? Did you have the love in you to respond to the need? And I'm wondering if that isn't, in the end, the, perhaps one of the most important messages of Advent, is are you really prepared to respond to the face of Christ in need around you? I guess I, I've been taught that in the faces of the people I meet. I mean, like the folks early in the morning I see outside of CVS sometimes. One thing that's important for me as a priest and as a bishop is I, I really enjoy going to the hospital to visit the sick, especially this time of the year. And I have seen the face of Christ and so many people who are sick and suffering and dying. It reminds me of the, the reason why we are. What are we being called to each day? I've had the privilege of a couple of people in my family who have been chronically ill. And one of the things that's, that continues to surprise me is how they've taken the pain of daily life and have turned it into a blessing for for them. I've known other people who have gone through chronic pain and have not turned it that way as well. And the the distinction that I see so far is a reception of Jesus Christ as their king, as we were talking mm-hmm. earlier. Christ as king means that whether we eat or drink or whatsoever we do, it's all for God. It's not for me. How do I use this time well? Because the king is coming. The king shall come when morning dawns, as the hymn goes. That's part of the reason for me, one of the things that is most important for me, even now, is I like to go to the hospital. So I I did that as a pastor. I do that now. And I think of, of, uh, to experience precisely what you said, my dad, who just, we just passed his fifth anniversary, he was in a lot of pain at the end of his life. He had Parkinson's. Didn't affect him mentally, but affected him physically. And then he had bad knees from an accident of years before. But Dad never complained, never, ever complained. So I just saw him as a great example of you know, forbearance and accepting what he had and, and trying to live as best as he could. He and my mother used to go back and forth sometimes at the kitchen table. And my mother would say, God bless you. She'd say, she'd go, she goes, uh, well, Bill, you know, we're not in very good shape. And he'd go, he'd go, Mother, that's what he would always say, Mother, just be grateful that you have another day. So seeing the faces of some of these folks and folks in the hospital remind me that, yeah, that we have another day that God has given us, and to be grateful. Yeah, the alternative is it <laughs> is it so good you don't have what? I know. I and I did a lot of work over the years in fifth steps and twelve steps and those sort of things, and and part of the, the twelve steps and and that particular path of recovery is gratitude. And that is something that we should also keep in mind that as we're looking at both the first coming of Christ, which I think it's easy to be to have gratitude, which is why we give the gifts and we celebrate yeah. joyfully. We also have the second coming to remember there's purple in those candles because yes. there really is a sense that we need to we need reflect. some kind of penance to reflect and to be ready to meet the Lord. And that is something that is going to come to us either personally through our own death or publicly when Christ comes back yes. for all of us. Yes. Bishop, I want to thank you so very, very much for coming in. Is there any one last thing that you would like to make sure that you leave all of your parishioners from throughout Orange County and Southern California with for this Advent? I would say view every day of Advent is a gift that God gave. The Lord give each, gives each one of us. Thank you so very, very much. Would you please be so kind as to impart your blessing upon all of us who are listening? Well, may Almighty God bless us and guide us and give us the strength and his peace 
this holy season, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bishop, for coming in. You're, You're listening welcome. to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. With me today has been Bishop Kevin Van, and we have been talking about Advent. If you would like to hear this again, you can go to Orange County Catholic Radio, OCCatholic.com, and go to the radio tab, and you can uh, either listen to this or download it and share it with a friend. For all of us at Orange County Catholic Radio, we have a blessed Advent, and we thank you for listening.